Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying Daniel chapter 9, and um, that is Daniel chapter 9. Um, this chapter includes the text of a prayer that Daniel um, made, that Daniel prayed towards God, and the text of this prayer has made its way into the liturgy of the Jewish prayer book um, throughout many, it permeates many prayers throughout the, the daily prayers, the high holiday prayers. Uh, so many of these verses would be quite familiar to those of you that uh, pray in a Jewish synagogue. Um, and uh, now we're going to learn where these prayers come from and, and what they mean and what prompted them. The chapter begins with the mysterious figure that we had before. We talked before about Darius the Mede. If you remember, I think it was back in chapter 7. Um, um, or actually chapter 6 where we had Darius the Mede. And we weren't quite able to place who he, or, or, or where he was in the scheme of things. But this seems like um, there is a uh, there were several kings of Persia named Darius, but this particular Darius was Darius from 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 Media, which uh, we don't have a historical correlation to exactly who this is. But um, it's not quite as uh, you can read through the commentaries and the scholars to figure out who exactly this is talking about or whatever, but my point is really to learn the lessons this chapter is trying to teach us, not so much to tell us uh, the history of exactly who everyone was and what year and so on. So, Bishnat Achat, in the first year, Lidaryavesh ben Achashverosh, of the kingdom of Darius, the son of Achashverosh. Now, clearly, based on the timelines, this was not the Darius who was the son of Achashverosh, the famous Ahasuerus from the story in the book of Esther. That Ahasuerus happened a lot later when the Persian Empire was the rulers. And um, and, Dari and Ahasuerus did have a son, Darius, who had a son, Cyrus, who was the one who, uh, who, who allowed the Jews to return to the land of Israel. This Darius was not... A Persian Darius, the one we're talking about now, he was Mizera Moda. He was from the of Median extraction. Asher Hamlach Machut Kastim, and he was the king over the Chaldeans. So here we have a Darius, the son of Achashverosh, who is the king of the Babylonians. The Chaldean Babylonian Empire was one and the same. So this is prior to the Persian conquest of of Babylon. So this is a different Darius. Uh, we don't know who he is exactly historically, but this is the second time we're talking about him in the book of Daniel. So here he is in his first year of his reign. Bishnat achat nemolcho, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, Ani Daniel, I, Daniel, binoti basvarim, I was studying among the various books and scrolls, um, um, and I was counting out the years which um, corresponded to the 
words of God that he had spoken to Jeremiah the prophet. One of the reasons why I chose to study Daniel after Jeremiah is because of these connections. I said that in the beginning, even though they're not uh, in the order of Tanakh, Daniel does not come after Jeremiah. One is in the writings and one is in the prophets, but I chose it because of these connections, as I explained back in the beginning of this book. But in, if you recall back in Jeremiah, which we studied together earlier, um, Jeremiah sent a letter to the exiles in Babylon telling them to settle down because they were going to be there for 70 years and just build families, raise families, so that in 70 years when it's time for the redemption, they'll be able to come back. And Daniel is now looking and calculating, and he's seeing that 70 years from that letter that Jeremiah had written had come. And here he is, still in Babylon. That which we saw in the words of Jeremiah, that after the completion of 70 years, after the destruction of Jerusalem, it would be over and it would be time for the return. Now this scared Daniel a lot. Now, um, uh, obviously, this, this, there's several ways to understand what's actually going on here. It's true, Jeremiah said 70 years, and 70 years are up. But those were 70 years from when Jeremiah wrote, wrote if you would calculate the 70 years from when Jeremiah wrote the letter, that was, uh, I forget the exact number, like 17, 18, or 19 years before the actual destruction of the temple. So if you calculate the 70 years from the destruction of the temple, then, then Daniel was premature. The 70 years aren't going to be up for another 19 or 18 or whatever, exactly the amount of years. Um, in addition, I had explained when we studied in Jeremiah that, that the, the term 70, and I'm going to emphasize this again because I know that this, this does not go uh, along with most of the commentaries except for Maimonides. So when I started reading chapter 7, and I again refer you back to 7a, I, I, I read Maimonides clearly because I wanted to make a point that Maimonides does not take these numbers to be the kinds of numbers that we should take seriously and use them to make calculations of exactly when things are going to happen and events are going to occur. He warned us against that very vociferously and was very careful to make us understand that that's not what these numbers are. So when, even when Jeremiah, according to Maimonides' understanding, said 70 years, it doesn't mean 70 years that you're going to sit in a calendar and calculate exactly when something's going to happen. 70 is a description of a period of time. It's a long time, several generations, but it's not so, so long that like thousands of years, and it's also not so, so short, like really soon it's going to happen. So 70 years is not a number that's meant for us to take exact. What it's meant for us to do is understand that there's going to be a significant period of time of generations, of families, you know, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, which is represented by 70 years. And repeatedly we see cycles of seven, which don't necessarily mean cycles of exactly seven. And we see it throughout the Torah and throughout the prophets. And I'm going to emphasize this over and over again. So I'm completely not taking the path.
that that many of the commentaries try to take and calculate history based on the exact numbers that Daniel's going to give here. And I sincerely and honestly believe that Daniel himself did not mean for us to look at these numbers and calculate them. One of the proofs that I'll say to this is that if you remember at the end of chapter 8, um, Daniel was told uh, about um, the, the chapter that we just read. Uh, we, he, he was told about uh, uh, this unicorn, and then the unicorn's horn was going to break into four pieces, and then the four pieces, and one of them is going to grow, and then it's this and that. All thing. listen to chapter, and the end of the explanation that he had, he was still worried, and he still says, he still said, And I was still wondering about it. And he was, even after the angel Gabriel himself explained the meaning of everything, Daniel, Daniel still, what he learned from it was that I don't know and understand exactly what's going to happen. So the lesson that Daniel is teaching us is that these visions are visions that teach us about the cycles of human history, the way human history works, and 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 the and the fact that we're hurtling towards a point where one day the world will finally recognize God, and that the only thing that will last forever is the nation that is built under God. This is a lesson Daniel's trying to teach us. He is absolutely not trying to teach us that. And this day, on 762 days and 43 hours, on this and this date, such and such is going to happen. What he's teaching us is the opposite of that. And I'm going to make this point again as we learn through chapter 9. And those that try, as the Talmud teaches us in Sanhedrin, those that try to to calculate the exact time of the Mashiach's come of the coming of the Messiah based on these numbers given here in Daniel or anywhere else among the prophets are simply misunderstanding and making a big, big mistake. How and Daniel here himself is now making a mistake, but he's gonna learn from his mistake and teach us. And that is I calculated 70 years based on the letter that Jeremiah had sent us. And clearly Daniel would have been one of the people that received that letter and read that letter. And now I'm wondering what's happening. It's supposed to happen, but it's not. So what do I do? So verse 3, And I turn my face towards God. And here he uses the term for God, which, which is the term that, that Jews use when they pray to God, rather than any of the other terms he used for God, when he was talking to the kings of Babylon in the first several chapters, he would talk about God as the, the most high, the, uh, the highest of the gods, the most powerful in all kinds of terms. But now he's speaking to God in the traditional way that a Jew would have speak to God because it's his own personal prayer on behalf of the Jewish people. In order to ask uh, um, to to um, uh, devote himself to prayer and supplication, betzom and fasting, v'sak va'ifer, and dressed in sackcloth and ashes. But the first thing I did, I prayed to God, and the first thing I did was etvadeh. I I confessed before God my own humility and who I am and my own sins. 
Please, God, you are the great and powerful God. You are the one who keeps the promises that you make, and you are full of kindness. To those that love you and those that, that follow your commandments. We have sinned. Daniel, remember, is the leader of the Jewish people at this time, and it's the the leader's obligation and responsibility to accept responsibility for his own sins and for the sins of the people that he's responsible for because he didn't do a good enough job leading them. Chatonu, we have sinned, we have, we have, we have, it's another word for sin, but we have translated, we have been led astray, Hirshanu, we have acted wickedly, we have been rebellious towards you. We have turned away from your commandments and your laws. And we did not listen to your servants, the prophets, that have spoken in your name. They spoke in back in the days when we had kings in Judea, when they spoke to our kings, Sarenu, and our leaders, Ravusenu, and our forefathers, and to the entire people, and they tried to teach them the proper way. We did not listen. You, God, you are the righteous one. And we are the ones who are ashamed um, and have shame upon our face. Like today, now we are in exile. We are... We are um, uh, living in shame, we are living among others that rule over us, and 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 this is because we didn't pay attention when we should have, when we had our own country, when we had Jerusalem, when we had our temple. Um, the shame is on us and all of the men, people of Judah, all of those that once resided in Jerusalem, all of the people of Israel, the ones that are near us. Here in Babylon are the ones that are spread apart. Among all the lands that they have been spread about. And they were, this happened to them because of the rebellion that they committed against you. Adonai, God, it is our responsibility that we are ashamed. Our kings, our leaders, our forefathers, we have all sinned to you. However, you are God. You are the one that has mercy. You have forgiveness. We have rebelled against you, and therefore the forgiveness can only come from you. We did not listen to the voice of our God, the Lord our God, to go according to his teachings, his Torah, that he placed before us. At Sinai, given through the hands of his servants, the prophets, in this case Moshe and Moses himself, and all of Israel transgressed your Torah, and they turned away and they did not listen to your voice. And therefore, you pour down upon us the curses and the, and the, um, Shvua, another word for oath, Asher Ksuva B'Torah Moshe Eved Elohim, the ones that were written in the Torah of Moshe, Moshe, the servant of God, because we sinned towards him, where Moshe wrote in the Torah that we will be punished if we don't behave, we didn't behave, and neither therefore punished us, and that's why we are now. Vayakam et divoro asher diber you fulfilled the words that you spoke about, that's Asher Al Shavateinu Asher Shavatunu, and you... Uh, punish those that judged us 
um, uh, against our judges that judged us unjustly, to bring upon us this evil, this terrible tragedy which has never happened before in history, like it happened in Jerusalem. This is verse 13 now. Just like it is written in the Torah of Moshe, all of this evil that, that could come upon us if we don't uh, behave properly, it has come upon us. And we did not, we didn't pray to you, we didn't beseech you, we didn't come back to you, we didn't repent to you. To turn from our sins, and to learn about your truth. And we didn't learn about your truth, we didn't uh, uh, remember the truthness and the of 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 your teachings. By therefore you you were you were so strong and careful to bring this evil upon us. you brought it upon us. because you are God, the Lord our God. You are a righteous God. On every all of the things that you did, you were right to do them, and we did not listen to you. The Atah here starts the prayer. Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord our God. Asher hotzeisa asamcha meret mitzrayim. You are the one that took your nation out of the land of Egypt. Begot chazaka with a strong hand. Vatas lochashem kayom azeh, and you have made for yourself a reputation like you have today. Everyone knows that God is God. Chatanu roshanu, but we have sinned. We have been evil before you. Adonai, God kechalzid kosecha. With all of your righteousness, not your mishpat, but asking towards God's, uh, not asking about the praying t- for God's justice, because justice, unfortunately, Daniel said, leaves us here in exile, but your righteousness, please turn your anger and wrath away from us. Turn it away from your city, Jerusalem, from your holy mountain, because it was through our sins and the sins of our forefathers. That's why Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, Amcha, and your nation, the have become an embarrassment to everything that surrounds us. And now, verse 17, Shema Eloheinu, Listen, I got out to the to the prayer of your servant Biltachunov and his supplications. and shine your light, the light of your face, Almikdoshecha, upon your holy temple, Hashamim, the one which has been destroyed, Lemanadonai, in order for God's sake, not for our sake, but for your sake. Please, God, turn your ears and listen to my prayers. Open your eyes and see how we've been destroyed. And look at the city upon whose name you called your name. We don't, I'm not, we don't come in front of you and tell us, give it to us because we deserve it, because we are righteous. We're asking you simply because you are merciful and asking for your mercy. This is the key to prayer is humility before God and not arrogance. Adonai Shema'ah. God, please listen. Adonai Sulacha, God, please forgive. Adonai Akshiva, God, please listen. Asay, and please do it. Al Ta'achir, do not delay. Don't make us wait longer and longer. Lemancha, for your good, for your honor, Elohai, my God. Kishimcha Nikralich Ve'almecha, it is your name that is called upon your city and upon your nation. For your honor, restore your honor. 
this is the prayer and most of these words of these prayers are familiar to anyone that attended uh, attend synagogue from very these these prayers and these words and these verses find their way into many of the prayers as written but here as daniel gives this extremely moving and extremely um beautiful prayer to god while I'm speaking and praying and I'm, and I'm confessing my sins and the sins of my nation Israel and while I am pouring out my supplications before God upon the holy mountain of my God it seems like Daniel was either praying towards Jerusalem and that's what he means but or he was actually in his mind visualizing himself as if he was praying from Jerusalem. While this was saying, while I'm speaking in prayer, then again the angel Gabriel appears. Ish Gabriel and the man, or the angel that appeared like a man, Gabriel, Asheriti the one who I described to you in last chapter that came to me in a vision. Muaf biaf nogea elai. He he flew on and he came and he touched me. This reminds us of the um, of the of the angel that flew and touched the lips of Isaiah in the beginning of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah six. Those of you that have studied Isaiah with us would remember that. Use a very similar language of to muaf biaf eli. And he understood. He understood what my prayers were, and he spoke with me by Omar, and he said, Daniel. I have come forth, I have now come in order to teach you understanding. Now I am going to put out there that one of the primary things that he is teaching Daniel is, is that it doesn't work that way by calculating numbers from a letter that Jeremiah wrote and said 70 years, and therefore now is the time. That's not how God works. Your prayers, God listens to. But he's not going to listen to it by saying on Tuesday at 7 o'clock or in 72 years and 14 days, such and such. So, so be careful, listen carefully to what we're about to see here because this, what, the way I'm reading this is not the way many of the commentaries read it, although it is consistent with the approach of Maimonides. But as soon as you started to pray, your, your, um, a word came out from God. Direction came. God listened already. And I've come to tell you, you are beloved by God and you, God is listening to your words. And I want you to understand this. And I want you to understand this vision that you're seeing right now. There are 70 weeks now, what exactly this means by 70 weeks is this 70 times 70 years or 490 years or this all the 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 commentaries go to town on calculating what this means and how many years this is going to be i believe that he's saying exactly the opposite what he's telling us here is don't count there's 70s there's lots of 70s shivuim shivim there's 70s of 70s and lots of 70s that's not the point that I have placed on your nation and on your holy city, because you deserve punishment in order to rid yourselves of the sin. 
in order to expunge you of the sin and to and to forgive you for the iniquities that you had. And to eventually bring tzedek olamim, a righteousness that will last forever. And to um, and to finally um, seal in place the visions of the prophets, and to anoint again the holy of holies. Lots of seventies I have placed on your nation. I I strongly believe that counting this and calculating this is the biggest mistake anyone could make, and I know that I'm going against many of the commentaries. The point that the angel Gabriel is telling Daniel is, stop counting 70s and 70s and 70s, times this, times that, times the other thing, times the other number, to figure out answers. The prayer you said was beautiful, and the prayer you asked for will be answered, and the prayer is beloved by God, and God loves the service, that you have given to him. And it will come about a day when the sins are expunged and when I believe it's time and the people have turned towards tzedek olamim to true justice forever, to true righteousness, that yes, the, the visions of the Navi will happen and the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, will once again be anointed. I want you to know and I want you to remember min davar. From the moment the word came out, from the moment the word came out from God that yes, we will return and we will rebuild Jerusalem, ad Mashiach Nagid, until the time that the Mashiach, the final Mashiach, will will be appointed, the final, the anointed one, the leader, the anointed one. We referred several times in the last few chapters that there will be a person that will lead us in righteousness, that will lead us in service of God, that will lead us with true justice, that will indeed lead the entire world. From the moment that word came out, Shivuim Shiva Vishavuim Shishim Ushnayim, there will be seven weeks of seven times and seven times sixty-two, and then and at that point uh, the the city will be rebuilt and but but it will be rebuilt in a time of distress during in other words it will come the rebuilding of jerusalem will come but it's not going to be easy when that happens the numbers again he's throwing out sevens and seventies and sixties and twos again the point of these numbers are not for calculations what he's saying is that, yes, um, there is going to be times it's going to be 70 years long, it's going to be 60 years long, it's going to be 2 years long, it's going to be 62 years long. This is gonna, but, but, but again, the point is is that there will be that Mashiach Nagid, there will be an anointed one who will come, and many identify this with Nehemiah and Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah, with the rebuilding of the Second Temple. But there will be a time where there's various other translations and understandings of who this might be. But again, that's not the point. There will be one that comes in charge, but it won't be easy. It won't be easy. This is verse 26. And after the, those, those, um, um, those 62 weeks, 
then he kares Moshiach ve'enlo. Then that that person who tried honestly to build will have a time when it will be difficult for him. What is this teaching us? This is teaching us. This is so 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 crucial. I don't know how to say it strong enough. The point is, is that that people will try to rebuild. There will be leaders that are honest, that are anointed, that are trying to do their best, but it won't be easy. He's going to try, he's going to work, he's going to do, but it will be tzokoitim, it will be a difficult time. And then he's going to fail too. V'yoyir v'yakodesh and the holy city, yashchit am nagir habav v'kitzobashetef, after it's attempted to rebuild, it will be destroyed again. In other words, our attempts at rebuilding Jerusalem will be attempted. There will be well-meaning people that will try, but they will encounter difficulty and eventually again be destroyed. And the desolation of, 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 of will, will, will um, be destroyed and it will come through, I'm sorry, I skipped two words, it will end in a flood. Now whether this means an actual flood or a flood of an army, sometimes we've had a term of the armies coming and conquering. Of course this brings the image of the Roman conquering of Jerusalem of the people like Ezra and Nehemiah that tried to rebuild it, but then they themselves got cut off. The few people in the times of the Hashem who tried to rebuild the temple but constantly encountered difficulties at the hands of the Greeks and eventually the Romans, and eventually it gets destroyed too. But remember that the point that Daniel is saying here is not to predict those events, but the point I mean, that Gavriel is telling Daniel here is not to predict those events necessarily, but to say that yes, God will bring you, you back and you will have the opportunity to build, but it won't be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk because this is just not the way the world works. Eventually, eventually during, there will be one week. Now this week always means this period of seven. It refers to a period of time. And somewhere during half of the week, during that time period, there will be a time when the, when the service in the temple will stop because the forces of evil will be successful. This will be a struggle between people trying to build something good and people trying to destroy it. At some times during that period of time, the forces of evil will be successful and at some times the forces of good will be. And and because of the evil people there, there will be, the in, in that attempt to rebuild the Holy Temple, there will also be some success at placing abominations in the Temple. Until one time, the Temple will finally be destroyed because of the evil that is there. So he said, this is a prophecy to Daniel about uh, Daniel is asking and begging for the return to Jerusalem and God says yes there will be a return but when this return happens it's not going to be an easy cakewalk there will be good people trying to build there will be bad people trying to destroy and at the end of the story unfortunately destruction will be what happens um, and, and, and presumably a reference to the future destruction of even the second temple but there is more to these apocalyptic visions of Daniel we'll see in the next few chapters. That, that of course, is not the end. Because after the sin of the people is completely gone, 
then one day there will be finally that that as Daniel has said in many of these chapters, there will be finally a kingdom that will last forever when people finally unify instead of fighting over, but unify in the service of God. Thank you so much for studying Daniel chapter 9. Looking forward to studying chapter 10 and further on in this book of Daniel together.